This is a Shock Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Podball Sportscast, the podcast that has no idea what to use as an intro this week. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Today in the house of Pod, we have Nicholas John. Hello, hello. Who is getting fed up with my bad jokes about the intros anyway. Also, Karami Kamel. What's happening, guys? If Nick is fed up, Karam is doubly so. I am Faisal American and I'm in it for the money. If there was money. So let's start off with uh, Arsenal versus Liverpool in the Premier League, shall we? Uh, Liverpool 2-0 winners at the Emirates Stadium. Um, but it wasn't a given result, uh, especially during the first half. Uh, Arsenal were in contention for a long time. And uh, Gabriel Martinelli almost scored for the Gunners, but was denied by Alison Becker's uh, goalkeeping heroics. Liverpool sealed the win thanks to second-half goals from Diego Jota and Roberto Firmino. Uh, at the end, Liverpool had 52% possession. As for shots, both teams had nine each, while Liverpool had three on target, Arsenal two. Six corners for Liverpool as opposed to just one for the Gunners. Now, guys, before we get to uh, Liverpool, I just have to say this was a really great performance from Arsenal. And uh, to think that we were making fun of them earlier this season. The result saw marked improvements after Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang left. It makes you think, right, um, was he a destabilising factor in the squad? <laughs> uh, I don't really think he was because... Uh, before he left, he wasn't he, he wasn't really playing for Arsenal, right? So, uh, but back to your point about making fun of them earlier this season. This season, uh, I think me and Nick did say that uh, they were missing most of their first team players, including Lacazette, uh, Aubameyang as well. Although Aubameyang did not play the big part now. Uh, back to the match, I thought. I was very, very happy uh, at halftime because I was almost correct. I was 50% correct saying that it was going to be a great match. It's going to be a tough match for Liverpool. Arsenal held their ground. Uh, they were compact, not giving Liverpool any spaces to attack. But in the second half, I thought it was Liverpool just had too much quality for Arsenal young young team. And... When Ramsdale conceded the first goal at his near post, I thought that was the writing on the wall for Arsenal in that match. Uh, meanwhile, it was a ninth straight win for Liverpool and they're within smelling distance of Man City's lead. Uh, I think it was a 14-point gap in January. Now it's just down to one. Um, if I wasn't so cynical, I'd say Liverpool are now title favourites, Nick. Uh, will, they're definitely the form team of the moment. Uh, they've got the momentum and morale must be sky high at Anfield. You know, after reducing the deficit from, yeah, like you said, 14 or so points earlier this year to just a single point now you know I, I remember in January everyone even ourselves included was saying that City were going to stroll to the title and now not only have Liverpool caught up uh, City are also starting to look a bit jittery as well so 
yeah, the, the, the final nine matches are going to be absolutely crucial for both teams, especially uh, the big clash at the Etihad next month. But there's one thing that you, you have to factor in as well, in addition to the league title, because Liverpool are still in contention for the, the FA Cup and, and Champions League, and they are going for the quadruple. They've already won the League Cup, they won the FA Cup, the league title and the Champions League as well. So th- there's a good chance that Liverpool could get a little bit distracted by that that quadruple uh, pursuit, you know. So, uh, or if or if not distracted, then at the at the very least, uh, they'll be fatigued if trying to go for trophies on all four fronts. So that's something to think about as well. And based on the remaining fixtures for Liverpool, I think they have a few, a couple of matches that might be tricky for them against United at Anfield. In uh, next month, but if Harry Maguire is playing in that match, I think they will <laughs> they would easily get all three points. And then okay, next, I've, okay, I scratched <laughs> off my uh, Maguire bingo card for this week. <laughs> and then uh, after United, they'll face Everton, and then Tottenham a couple of games later. So compared to City, City would only have to face amongst the big clubs only Liverpool, and then. Possibly they'll just stroll to to annihilate all the other teams. So Liverpool might have a tougher route to be a champion. But uh, again, I have to side with Faisal this time around. Just don't write Liverpool off just yet. Now, here's the thing, right? From my past experience, you know, uh, living under uh, Liverpool managers like Sunes. Wow, Sunes, <laughs> Faisal. Wow. <laughs> Way to give away your age, man. <laughs> great, Faisal. Yeah. Great job, Faisal. Okay, okay, hear me out. Living under Sunes, Julie, Brendan Rogers, Rafa Benitez and all, right? I've learned to temper my expectations. So I am automatically assuming they're not going to win the title until they actually lift the bloody thing. Lah. <laughs> and trust me, Man United fans, uh, you'll do yourselves a huge favour if you adopt the same you. Just keep the expectations low. <laughs> also in the Premier League, um, Everton had a major result. They beat Newcastle 1-0 at Goodison Park. They were down to 10 men and scored in injury time. Everton now, f- now uh, three points clear of relegation. I tell you what, if Frank Lampard does save them from the drop, right? I don't care about Klopp or Guardiola. Give Frank the manager of the year prize. I, I think Frank Lampard needs a hug more than anything else. Or at least he looks like it. Like in some of the recent matches, he just looked down. He looked defeated. Um, but yeah, for, for Everton, this was a huge result. And, and you could tell from the way they were celebrating after the final whistle as well that it meant a lot to them. Because they've been struggling for wins. And if, if I'm not mistaken, this is only their second win in like, what, a dozen or so league matches. So this, this three points will be priceless for them. Uh, Everton's biggest problem before this has always been a lack of confidence. You know, they have the talent, they've got talented players, very hardworking players, but somehow when they go, on, go out onto the pitch, they just seem uninspired. So hopefully this win over Newcastle will reignite their fire, get them going again, because they're going to need that fire. If you look at their fixture list, they have coming up the likes of what? Man United, West Ham, Leicester, uh, and, as well as the Merseyside derby. So it, it's... Not the kind of fixture you'd want for a team that's battling relegation. So they will need all the motivation they can get. And I think it's also good that they've got a two two games or so in hand over Watford and Norwich, which will come in handy, especially when the relegation battle 
reaches you know the the, the end the towards the final few matches of the season yes and if lampard felt that he was under great stress when managing chelsea uh, i wonder how he felt now because he might he might get everton relegated right so it's uh, but I, i'm rooting for the best i hope the, i hope for the best for lampard i hope he can keep Everton in the top flight and maybe after that he can really really take off his managerial career in, in the first division because <laughs> <laughs> I look even if they survive great for Everton but I, I honestly based on their their run of matches that they've had I, I think it's hard to see Lampard sticking around next season but it's really difficult for any manager Nick to, to take over a team mid-season right so maybe he'll have a clean slate starting next season just maybe I don't know and maybe he can do wonders just maybe I like how you temper the expectation <laughs> just maybe <laughs> <laughs> see Karam is already learning for me tempered expectations <laughs> <laughs> there was also Champions League last 16 action in midweek Atletico Madrid beat Manchester United 1-0 at Old Trafford uh, to reach the quarterfinals 2-1 on aggregate creak 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 okay creak. um I guess you guys remem- remembered when I was all hyped up when they won against Tottenham, right, uh, last weekend. So, just, I th- I think about 15 minutes before kickoff against Atletico Madrid, uh, the thing that Faisal said, just try to lower my expectation, right? And then I, w- I was like thinking to myself, every time I get my hopes high for United, they always let me down, <laughs> In these recent years, right? <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's just not be that that high, just chill. And uh, I was right to not be hyped up for the match because uh, they played okay in the first half, but the second half, oh my god, they should have they should have really really take control of the match. But as soon as they conceded, I thought. Uh, they were playing straight into Atletico Madrid's hand because Atletico Madrid was disrupting play. The, the the players were were falling down to the ground, trying to, trying to be injured. I get it; it's part and parcel of the game, and it's uh, a Diego Simeone team, so <laughs> he will he will do anything he can to win the match. But with but uh, it was it it was terrible in the second half. Nick, you take over. Nick. <laughs> No, look, for me, the silver lining is, yeah, they, they weren't great in the second half, but at least, you know, they kept attacking and they kept pushing, trying to get that equaliser. So th- that's the only positive I can take away from this match. Um, mm. and, and, and to be fair, like you said, it, it wasn't easy against Atletico playing this kind of, of um, Simeone football. But uh, for me, the three words that sum, summed up the performance here was not good enough. You know, and it's the same three words, I guess, that you can use to describe how they've how they've been performing most of this season. You know, they they, they just they're missing that extra bit of quality, that, that little something something to help them get over the line. So, yeah, like, since since we're on the topic of you know tempered expectations and all that, I think <laughs> we're going to have to accept that we're going to see more of the same from United for the rest of the season. You know, they're going to win some for sure, 
but they're also going to drop points here and there and they're going to lose some as well. So that's just the reality of the team this season. I, I, I don't see them improving suddenly, you know, just, just like that. This is it. This is what we have to work with and what we have to accept from United. But the danger is it, it, it could even stretch into next season, you know, if they don't get this, the, their, their summer right. They need a new manager. They need to bring in the right manager, the right players, keep the right players. Unfortunately, uh, the, the hunt for a new manager does not seem to be going well. Uh, and, and if they don't make the Champions League, players are going to want to leave. So you really wonder what's going to happen. There was uh, one interesting stat uh, from that match, right? Apparently, Manchester United fans had a higher shot on target when they aimed at Simeone. <laughs> <laughs> and they hit the target. <laughs> Meanwhile, Chelsea through to the last eight despite their uh, financial restrictions. 2-1 win at Lille, 4-1 on aggregate. Uh, great result, guys, given the circumstances. But it kind of makes you think, right, how long can it last until the situation resolves? Uh, look, I-, I think Chelsea have done a good job so far on the field, uh, considering what's been happening off it. Um, but but I also think that even if there are no improvements in terms of you know the, the sanctions and the ownership issues and all that, I think the team itself will do fine. You know they, they've got a good manager, they've got a good squad, uh, they've got their Champions League defense to focus on. So I think as long as the salaries are paid and all that, the, the sanctions don't really affect the team, so they'll be fine at least until the end of the season. Villarreal beat Juventus uh, 3-0 and 4-1 on aggregate. Benfica dumped out Ajax 1-0, 3-2 on aggregate. Now, this weekend, we have both Premier League and FA Cup action happening. In the EPL, Aston Villa uh, host Arsenal. Tottenham host West Ham. Leicester are at home to Brentford and Wolves take on Leeds. As for the FA Cup quarterfinals, Liverpool are away to Nottingham Forest, Man City travel to Southampton, Middlesbrough host Chelsea and Everton are up against Crystal Palace. Be sure to check out this weekend's football action live on Astro. Now, before we move on, guys, uh, uh, did you check out that new song JDT released? Uh, it was called Pioneer by Joe Flizzo. And get this, D-O-double-G Snoop Dogg. <laughs> I did, I did. I did watch it and it, it was so cool to watch uh, D-O-double-G from LBC in that video. Singing, singing for song. JDT. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought it was great uh, for JDT, so... I guess their attempt to be a, an international brand is, I guess, working because it's it's. I'm pretty sure it's kind of difficult to get Snoop Dogg singing a football song for a Malaysian team. You get what I mean? So, uh, and it's refreshing uh, uh, to be to sing to rap alongside Joe Frizo, one of the legends of hip hop in Malaysia. So I thought it was great. Um, hopefully, hopefully on the pitch, JD, JDT can make a huge wave, a huge impact in the Asian Champions League this season. Yeah, okay, going back to Snoop, how much did he get paid though? I'm sure it's more than just gin and juice, huh? <laughs> how long were you waiting to use that? <laughs> Since I heard the news, man. <laughs> Although... When you think about it right, with Snoop, uh, you would associate him more with rugby. You know, whenever he completes a try, he drops the ball like it's hot. <laughs> oh, no. Move on, move on. <laughs> well, at least, Nick, at least it's not as far as soon as, okay, that, that reference. 
And now you know why their stadium pitch is weed-free. Snoop smoked it all. (laughs) Okay. Formula One's new season kicks off this weekend at the Bahrain GP. New rules are in place that will theoretically lead to a more level playing field. But from past experience, we all know that's as accurate as an arthritic surgeon doing circumcisions. (laughs) Uh, one person that won't be around this weekend is uh, former world champion Sebastian Vettel. He tested positive for COVID, so he'll be replaced by Nico Hulkenberg. Uh, the All England Open is also in action at this time of at the time of recording. Uh, Lizzie Jia posted back to back wins to reach the quarterfinals. Uh, the doubles pairs of Pearly Tan and Emtina and uh, Tan Kian Menglai Beijing are also in contention. Uh, yes, uh, it's great to see Zija in the quarterfinals. Uh, we really hope, I, at least I hope that he'll he'll retain his title this year uh, with more with more quality players, world class players in the tournament compared to last year. But our recent German champion men's double were, was Gozifi and Nur Izudin. They exited in the first round. Uh, again, they lost to their Chinese counterpart. I thought they tried. I thought they played well. It just wasn't their day. And the bad news was, I think, Aaron Chia and Sowo Yik uh, lost in the second round. So against the same same opponent that Zifi and Izudin lost to, if I'm not mistaken. So I really had high hopes for Aaron Chia and Sowo Yik, but uh, the loss might be because that Wo Yik just recovered from COVID-19. He did not train. He did miss a couple of training sessions with the national team he did not take part he did not participate in the German Open previously so that might be one of the reasons why they they were knocked out early in the tournament but I hope that both the men's pair would would bounce back in in the coming tournament finally a quick word on uh, Shireen Valaboy word Word. She broke the national 400-meter indoor record at a track meet in the U.S. Uh, she's the first Malaysian female athlete to run, to run it in under 54 seconds. Unfortunately, she won't be at the SEA Games. She's got uni exams. Uh, but she will be available for the Asian Games, so that's good news. Shireen is someone who's been performing really well on the uh, NCAA circuit in the US, but kind of doing it under the radar. I mean, the the people over there know how good she is, but over here, I think because of a lack of uh, exposure in the media and all that, I think she's kind of slipped through uh, people's minds. But she's currently, she's got the form to make the Asian Games uh, and she, she's available. So hopefully she gets a spot and, and, and makes a mark. Like, because she's definitely someone we need to keep an eye on. She's got phenomenal talent. Talent, you know, this athletic athletics you can say it runs in her blood. You know, her, her parents are Josephine Mary and, and Samson Valaboy, who are athletics legends in this country. So she's absolutely nailing it in the US circuit. And I, I can't, I think like along with the rest of Malaysia, I think I can't wait to see her in a big event like the Asian Games. Well, that wraps it up for yet another episode of the Portball Sportscast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. But before we go, I just want to say that we should all be kind to each other. We're still going through some of the most challenging times in human history. It's unprecedented. So doing something simple as an act of kindness can go a long way towards making someone's day just a little bit better. And yes, that does include Manchester United fans. (laughs) (laughs) Cheap shot. So remember to stay awesome, my friends. Take care of your health, both physically and mentally. I'm Faisal Merikan. 
I am Karami Kamil. And I'm Nicholas Jordan. 